Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello, this is Sue Rose Minahan and host of Talk Cosmos Leading Edge Conversations. And tonight will be our panel, one of three panels, which is Planet Buzz. And we're focusing on the fact that the skies at this moment have eight different orbits that are in retrograde motion. That's apparent from how it looks on Earth, but we have the astrology from Earth. That's our viewpoint. And there's five of these that are of the outer planets. And considering the social ones from Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And then including with that, because now Pluto is a dwarf planet still of, of significance in astrology and for our solar system, is Eris, the sister of Mars, and Pallas Athena, an asteroid of strategy. These energies have that represent this within the archetypes that we're talking about. But this is naturally a time when the sun in Virgo is asking us to discern and and question um, so many things. Our topic is consequences and truth. Because two of these, the dwarf planets as it is, Pluto and Eris, are in an energy of tension. It has great significance. The orbs, they're long. And this is occurring five times. And as my co-panelist, Dr. Tad, reminded me, Donna Cunningham, a great astrologer, said anytime, and she's not alone, this is the gospel of astrologies because of significance and said in so many ways, as we understand. But thrice, one, two, three, has recognition. It has a meaningfulness. It's too big to just go once. It's got something that has, we haven't gotten and we're pounded in again. So here it's five times. And we just had the fourth, August 27th, and the fifth and final exact square tension, as we call it in astrology, which is 90 degrees, remembering that we have a circumference of 360, so on a fourth. And a fourth is also the fourth vibration, which is foundational. This is something significant that's got to like get rocked and shifted until it resolves. So you have Pluto, 248 years, and Eris, 200, 558 years, in these cardinal signs of action. Uh, Capricorn in this, Pluto for Capricorn, and Eris in Aries of initiation. And so that will be October 9th. So our, we have more to talk about. Eris is the truth teller that creates this chaos. We have questions about that. And reno, renovating, regenerational, transformational Pluto that has yet to finish the conversation of how this truth has consequences. So now we're ready. Oh, and before I say, thank you for listening 
to Talk Cosmos. Thank you for subscribing. We really look forward to connecting. And now we are ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, so above, as above, so below. Hello, Laura, Dr. Tad. It's so great to see you again. Yes, it's good to be here. And immediately we need to recognize that our great cohort, Leslie Francis of Canada, our um, friend of the other country, was unable to make it today, but left us a, a, a code word of integration, which is very important considering this time of, you know, uh, discerning and, and asking, like, how are we purifying our thoughts? And just to also mention on that context uh, uh, that for those astrologers interested, it, there's still time to to join the astrology conference that they're having there in Canada, integrating, that's a code word, ancient and modern astrology. I'm thinking I might just do that. And that's September 24th through the 26th online. So, Consequences and truth, integrating truth, huge. Well, I think it's, you know, we're in a transformative, we've been in for an extended period of time, you know, a very intense time of, of transformation, an intense time of, I mean, in general, these many, many years we've had Pluto in Capricorn has been about the call to let go of the old ways of doing things, right? Capricorn is the old in a lot of respects. It's father time archetypally, right? It's the traditional old way of operating and Pluto begs us to reconfigure that. And so we've been in that space for a long time, but I think some of the other planets that come into conversation with Pluto, which is really what's happening when there's any sort of astrological alignment, right? Then the planets are in conversation with each other is, you know, as we've been having this sort of back and forth with the beacon of truth, the, the bearer of the, the truth teller is um, also then examining why what's transforming how do we want it transformed what's the 
impetus? What's the drive behind it? And is it change for the sake of change? Or is it something that's actually needed to happen? And that's part of that honest truth-telling conversation is why are we changing and what do we want to change into? Because if we aren't honest about what needs to change, it's very hard to build something new. Um, then we're just sort of in a rebellious teenager energy um, without having a direction. And I think that that's part of this combination of that can be the consequences, right? If you change, but you don't have something to change that's reactionary, it can lead to unforeseen consequences that are negative. Not all unforeseen consequences are negative, but I think it has that potential if we're not careful. Yes. And who have we become? I heard Lester Holt on, I'm not sure which station, my husband watches the news all the time. And it was in reference to 9-11 here in the United States. And actually, you know, it's been brought up that there were 372 other citizens of other countries, 19, 90 other countries that lost their lives during that event. But in his uh, final comments, he was mentioning other disruptions we've had, which is such an interesting thought because Eris that we were talking about, truth teller disrupted by that truth, other, you know, the cycle of life, having that in mythology, the Trojan War. But here, Lester was mentioning about January 6th in DC, where there was on a tremendous uh, discord upset. And his question if I remember it was, who have we become? In a sense, thinking of this 20 years since 9-11 as one uh, um, shakeup call, besides <laughs> coronavirus, as Leslie was reminding me, because we did have a little chat. She um, had her apology, but left us like, you know, like a torch. Here, have these ideas. So, yeah, it's like, we have so many people, so many planets, energies at the table, we could say, in this conversation of adjustments, as you're saying. And yeah. Truth. Yeah. And I think that there's both grace in that and challenge. <laughs> so when there's more people in the conversation, we get more resources at our disposal, but it can also muddy the waters. Right? The too many cooks spoil the soup. Right. And so there's so much shifting and transformation and adjusting and readjusting and adjusting again that's been going on that um, it can be we're sort of in a liminal space. I think that that's part of what all of this retrograde energy can create is a real sense of liminality. Right. That in between that threshold space where you're neither in the old or in the new. And we're just sort of in this in-between holding pattern for a while and so, don't know yet what's going to be birthed. Yeah, it's so appropriate thinking just of the nodal energy that we're experiencing with Gemini, with Gemini you know, the twins that are, were Mercury, its ruler can only be seen at dusk or dawn. And so it's this whole other uh Yes, subliminal. Uh, that's a really great way. And this business of honesty, 
you know, thinking of the planets, Uranus in Taurus right now is had just turned. And as we had mentioned, several of these in later in in uh, October will be going direct. But we have mm-hmm. quite a while here where we have that energy reflecting some really serious thoughts. And so being honest of authenticity, which Saturn, of course, in Aquarius wants and um, Uranus generally is focusing on the what's authentic, but it's of our values. Yes, in Taurus, like yeah, for the Uranus piece for sure. Yeah, is what do we what do we really value? Why do we believe that we value it? Right? Do we value it because society tells us to? Do we value it because we believe we should believe find to be of value, or is it? an authentic value? Is it something that is some, what's the truth, right? That's part of this energy is truthfully, what do you value individually as a cult, as a society, as a world, what do we value and, and why, right? And that can be part of this, you know, we're in the Virgo season, which is definitely the analyst season of the zodiac right and so well why do we value it yes what how did we come to to value it i wonder if plato was a virgo and i don't know (laughs) i have not looked at that but he 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 taught through uh um, uh, questions yes when you say why do we believe what is truth for society faith and is it authentic because society that tells everything where we've been conditioned. And there's a good point of it. We want people to get certain moralistic, moralistic ideas, which again is very subjective, possibly. And how objective is it? Mm-hmm. You know, like um, we run into that all the time, just with what is blasphemy? I mean, what can you say? And what can you, I, mean, I say blasphemous, you know, that used, I just was in a class situation and I used the word golly. And somebody wrote back and said, why did you use golly? You know, in the 18th, 18th century, which was 1700s, and I had to look it up. And it meant it was a code word with G and gosh against God. And I thought, well, vernacular has sure changed. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, it's like there has to be some way to release some kind of frustration, you know, and even goodness and a whole bunch of, of them. So it's like there is some kind of conditioning we have and we adjust. Yes, all the time. And then faith, this idea that you bring it up, because I'm, I'm thinking just of Pisces and with Neptune and Jupiter, you know, because our south node is in mm-hmm. Sagittarius and Jupiter is one of the retrograde planets and it will be going into Pisces, which was originally for traditional astrology, it ruled. And so sometimes you have to just have faith in faith. I used to have that, you know, mm-hmm. not, not religious faith, just faith in faith because I didn't have that anchor. So what is authentic? Yes. Yeah, well, and authentic truth. I guess is where I was going with that Mm. is um, what we, why we believe something to be true. How did we come to that understanding? And that when, right? So this idea of the consequences of truth, 
okay, well, when you accept a truth that is radically different than what you have held previously or believed previously to be true, there's a lot of, a lot of things change. Yes. And that is, I think the essence, one of the descriptions I've heard of, um, Neptune. But I was also reading in this little book, I was gifted these wonderful astrology books in different, and one of them brought it back to the scientific idea that there's theories, but when the facts don't support the theories, then anyway. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, in science, everything is theory, right? There's nothing it's the theory of relativity. It's the theory of gravity. So far, nothing's disproved it concretely, but it remains a theory. Yes. In fact, that was the big deal when the black hole came, was actually visually, concretely determined. It's true. It's there. It took two years. It took I, 20 different cameras all over the world, if I have that, or 200, I don't know vast amount and they pieced it together and they actually saw that there is a black hole and i remember because again my husband loves to watch television which is a good thing because i would by myself never watch and the scientist was said this is a time shifting history because now there's not theory it's it's practical it's practical it's true mm-hmm. um, Well, it appears to prove the theory, right? Until it's disproven, potentially, right? But but that's where part of this idea of, right? I mean, like the consequences of truth. Okay, well, when it was shown that the earth was actually round and not flat and that you can circumnavigate the globe, really radical planetary global change, right? That was the consequence of the truth. Oh, the earth isn't flat. We can circumnavigate it, right? The, uh, hundreds of years ago when the conquistadors and the explorers, you know, went from Europe and sailed around the world, right? Yeah. And it was a truth that then radically shifted the history of the world. And it changes fear. It changes fear, which is such an important part. Or it can create fear. Oh, well, I suppose anything's possible. That's another thing. Potentialities. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, Yes, we are purifying consciousness. That is for sure. To get objective. Right. If something happened that people didn't think was ever possible, and now it is, it can create fear. So that's where the consequences of truth aren't necessarily enlightening and uplifting. It can be scary. It can be create apprehension. I suppose then really the question is the unknown. Again, do we have a welcoming relationship and that then gets back to who are we? Are we people that have the ultimate decree like that can design and manifest and then the question gets back like with the law of attraction it's it's been said through love and through feeling right 
And what is love, if that is in this in this kind of broad, abstract way of mm-hmm. philosoph- philosophizing, that it isn't, it's, it's love also engages the, 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 the purpose and, and, and companionship, as you might think of it, with the other, whatever that other is. In other words, it's not just isolated for one's own radiation, right? Because we have one sun and everything else radiates that energy mm-hmm. it's not being or absorbs it uses it yeah well and i think i mean to me this idea of you know so truth where it can be difficult or hard or expansive is it <laughs> truth then the next step in gaining information that is true is choice and decisions have to be made. Once you know the truth, you have to decide how to act. And that can be really scary, right? Let's say you're in a relationship and you aren't sure if you're gonna fully commit and be all in. And that person tells you how profoundly they love you and it's their truth. And then you were on, you've been on the fence about it. Well, now you have to decide how to respond before it was spoken. It was easier to not engage with the, the, how you felt you could stay half in half out. When somebody gives you their truth and they want to know yours, you have to decide how you're going to respond. And there is in that, I'm, I'm, I'm with you here. I'm understanding there's a trust and there's also a sense of faith involved because to have the proof in the pudding, as, as the phrase goes, is, is, is really un- impractical because there is this introduction of the unknown that comes into life whether it's a, on an individual or even a small basis or a, on a co- wide collective basis like look at us now we have as we the climate change that is being a political arguing and the fact that the vaccine has become a, a battering ball between education and children and, and society and all these other issues that we live with, you know, as much as we want to, re- one might want to retreat, it's only in one's demise if you consider of abuse, you know, using through ways to totally escape. So yes, that, that truth of choices and, you know, tying this in too, which was a lot of unspoken threads, perhaps, but um, Mars, Aries, I was just reading, is really about choice. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because I think of often Libra as the choice with decisions, which it is. But by making an action, we have made a choice. Right. I think the difference I would say is Libra are the choices. Mars Mm. is making the choice. Libra is, oh, left or right making the decision, the action, right? Mars is our action, our drive. So Mars is who goes. Our Mars energy is what goes right or left. Libra is the options we're given. Aha. Uh-huh. So, so this is wonderful. Would be the distinction is Libra is, is the choices, but not Libra doesn't make choices. Libra just has them. 
which leads me then this is so wonderful we you know we began as plant buzz and i thoroughly adore having leslie francis of edmonton canada with us i mean it just sparks alive this whole process but this is fun going back and forth with you and not to lose my thought here come on sue um, oh, male and female, Venus and Mars, you know, because those are the personal planets. And we know that they, oh, gee, they can toggle back and forth between and in front of the sun and doing all kinds of things in that relationship. And it does birth harmony and, you know, through mythology and all these other ideas. Or, But um, the male and the masculinity and femininity are two of the fundamental concepts that's taking a huge shift both in the mundane world of both you know you might say instead of having to choose and and also with astrology thinking of instead of looking at things in in those terms so looking at what we were just saying about the choices and the decision and the action you know, it's, that's part yeah, of the well, key. Yeah, well, it's that receptive or directive energy, right? Yes. Mars is directive. Uh, Libra and Venus is that receptive energy. And so it's receiving the choices, right? Libra, it, here's the options, okay? How are you going to respond? And Mars is what responds. And I like that word directive because I thought assertive, but directive no, really yeah. is very cardinal. And Aries is a cardinal. Well, they're both cardinal. A yeah. Lib- if you just think of Libra, yeah, Libra which is, is a, yeah, which is on a totally different framework, maybe. Well, maybe not. Well, okay, we won't go there. Back to our retrograde planets because there's so much at the table. I'm trying to think what's thinking. Well, I was thinking of duality in a sense that Venus has uh, Libra and Taurus. Taurus, which is yin receptive whereas mercury has at square you know they're both mutable virgo and and gemini so yeah i mean i think it's always interesting to me that the with the rulerships that way that mercury the natural square that mercury has to itself yeah exactly (laughs) Um, but you know that's as somebody mercury's very dominant in my chart so same here and Um, it is the nodes yes go ahead but yeah just in looking at you know so to pull it back into what we're because we're mercury all the personal planets are currently direct you know the mars venus mercury mercury does go retrograde soon but that so much of the social and uh transpersonal planet right those are the ones that are retrograde and so it is this global shift or global reassessment that we're going through. And I mean, we see it in borders opening and then closing because of COVID, right? It's like, oh, suddenly Americans aren't allowed in Europe because our COVID numbers are so high. Um, And so this assessment, this, this idea of that... And even in the idea of truth, that I think one of the things that all this retrograde energy at least asks us to chew on is that truth isn't written in stone. Mm. 
that that's part of this retrograde energy is it's true for now, right? A- it, it might not be true in six months. It might not be true tomorrow. It's true today. We will continue this process. Thank you so much, Dr. Pat. And this is Talk Cosmos with Planet Buzz on, well, today is the 12th of September. And we're Consequences and Truth. That's our conversation. And we thank you a thousand percent for joining us and subscribing. And we'll be right back. Thanks. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Virgo. By leaving a cycle based on the creative manifested legacy of our highest creative form, the energy of Virgo completes the last sign below the horizon of the self and requires discernment to perfect oneself through the mental process of critical analysis. As a mutable earth sign duly ruled by Mercury, Virgo refines, heals, or fixes through daily routines, developing skills and services to control nature's chaos and maximize efficiency. Old world travelers never began a journey without a compass. And today, smart travelers won't leave home without a map or GPS to navigate the journey ahead. But when it comes to your journey through life, how do you get your guidance? by aligning numerology and astrology's wisdom. Combining numerology with astrology offers a great spectrum of insightful meaning for your personal yearly, monthly, and daily numbers. And to help you navigate these numbers to discover your best daily route, numerologist Liz Muschette, along with Gloria Riley, an Egyptian numerologist, and intuitive consultant Jenny L. Sinclair have co-authored the book, Gateways to Change 2018 and Beyond keys to navigating the seas of life using numerology and astrology. In addition to the book, Liz is also hosting a Gateways to Change workshop this fall, which complements the book to guide you to your life's journey and explore how to use the resources offered in the book. Copies of the Gateways to Change are included in the registration fee. The Gateways to Change book is now available to order on Amazon. And to register for the workshop, you can contact Liz at her website, alightpath.com or send her an email at Liz, L-I-Z, Mouchette, M-U-S-C-H-E-T-T at gmail.com. Let Liz be your compass as you continue your journey here on Earth. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So... Grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Greetings. This is Dana Bernbach, 
evolutionary astrologer, and you are listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the zodiac, our connection to it, and our roots in the stars. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hi again. Well, that is... Hello. We are talking consequence and truth. And that, to remind our audience, is we're experiencing a a long phase of energies of eight different retrograde planets, but particularly it, it, it was influenced from... Pluto and Eris that are in a, a, a tension-oriented square. And also Jupiter's there too. So like, what's true? We're really looking, is there even, I think earlier we asked, is there even a universal truth which people get in mind? You know, there's a couple of areas. One is I just was brought to my attention that San Francisco is has introduced into their whole school system this for this year, mindfulness, mm. meditation. So we're listening. They're listening to themselves. And it's um, a program that Niroga, N-I-R-O-G-A, has website. And there's mm-hmm. all. And I was just remembering yesterday to meditate. So I might follow the kids and listen to some of these. They were just great. It was like you could see a great big uh uh, ball expand and make small. And then there were some physical exercises, which is so much like Uranus with Taurus energy where you breathe and then you clench your, you breathe in and clench your fists and then expand them, open it up and then shake your body and et cetera, et cetera. But it brought it because then one starts deflecting some of these conditionings and messages and thoughts that, revolve into one's energy you know so that's a yeah I mean I think there yeah there's been a lot of shift happening that way it was what a couple weeks ago um the app the meditation app headspace it was announced they partnered with they've partnered with sesame street um to bring sort of meditation to very young kids um yeah, so I think that there is, and maybe that's part of right when it, we've got this this Pallas Neptune conjunction going on at the moment, um, and so that could be part of of some of that because um, she's you, she's similar to to Mars in some ways. Yeah, strategy, new strategy. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that's she's the god. She was the goddess of war, right? So. Yes. Um, but that with it, with her in Pisces and Neptune in Pisces, it's a spiritual war, right? It's this um, higher purpose. And causes, you know, when I think of war, I mean, and, and in any of that, it's like everybody's fighting and defending and causes. So that's a very good point. And of the earth, oh, maybe we, okay, I'm done. Di- toggling here in my brain, which to go first, but sometimes we bring into context where any of these, where the energy is happening and there's so many to choose from within our own charts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I also want to bring up about the earth and the relationship that we talked about, because it, it is true that going back to the idea that truth is uncomfortable 
you, you mm -hmm. and the consequences. Yeah, I mean, if people didn't find the truth uncomfortable, they wouldn't, we wouldn't have such an issue with it in our world. Right? People struggle to be self-honest, right? That can be part of this. The consequences require, of self-honesty. Yeah, it requires change. It requires it, a, 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 well, a right. willful... Once you, hmm? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Just a willful uh, set of actions, you know, that's directing. It's not just a simple effect. It, it transforms practically the DNA of our lifestyle of our beliefs of how we live yeah yeah i mean so i think that that can be part of this and maybe that's part of her being an aries for so long right is this self-honesty right she's been an aries since 1923 she will be there until 2024 2044 i'm sorry so we're looking at a 220 and change year cycle no, is it 200 and or 100? If it's 120, 100, 120 yeah. year and yeah. change cycle. And Aries is about the self, right? That's the archetype of becoming. Aries. Yes, becoming. So I am, right, is Aries' key phrase. And so Aries being there for so long is, I mean, short of people who are north of 98 everyone on the planet was born with her in Aries. Yes. And, and um, this as a global collective, we are in a, a century of, of, of self-honesty potential, or that's what we're all being asked to grapple with is, are we being self-honest? Are we being, that can be part of that, authenticity that's Uranus and so true to self, but also, you know, when, what, how are we culpable? In what way are we culpable for our own circumstances? And that requires self-honesty of how we have contributed to where we're at individually and collectively. It seems that this taproceed, tap, trust, like a, a I think I said the word right. I hope like a, you know, weaving a cloth, uh -huh, a tapestry. Yeah. Thank you. And I'd like to see both Laura too, if I can, Nathan, <laughs> as I talk things kind of helps. And I appreciate it. He's our wonderful guide here um, is with Chiron because Chiron's in Aries also. And Chiron is uh, that wounded, the alchemy of, of becoming one's own shaman to find what hurt one's identity that can then be useful in gifting with energies mm -hmm. without. I know the United States has it natally and we're, it's also a long cycle in that orbit. It's longer in um, eight years. I think I know in Aries, whereas it can get very short in other ones. So it's that whole value of becoming this who our real identity you know of of assisting in this quest yeah. as you well and what's interesting you know in looking at those two bodies is that chiron cycle is is 52 years which means that chiron has been in aries with eris now for the second time right, with its orbit, with its 52-year cycle, um, 
this is the second time they've both been in, in Aries together. Aries didn't go anywhere. Aries stayed in Aries, but there is almost a return and it would have, Chiron would have gotten into Aries right around the time two cycles ago, um, or maybe it's the third time then actually, um, that, that, so they've been here before, I guess is what I'm Interesting. Well, that's another retrograde. Yeah. And I, right. Like it it is, they are both currently retrograde, but right in the, in 1970s, in the late 60s, 70s, Chiron was in Aries. And then 50 years before that, right. As Aries was getting into Aries, Chiron would have been in Aries. So there is this relationship, I think Mm -hmm. that is going on and, I don't know exactly when, but in the next few years, they'll be conjunct. I'd have to play with it um, yeah. to see when they're conjunct. But because Chiron's moving much faster than she is, they will be conjunct in the next few years. Yeah, it went, it was 2018. So it's eight years. So it leaves in 2006. And I know that the name. 2026, you mean? 26, yes, 26. I'm sorry, yes. So then, sometime between now, in the next five years, yeah. they will be conjunct. Yeah. And, and it'll also be, we must be as a nation here, the United States, because I think ours is, I'm not sure what degree it is right now, but it's a later degree of uh, maybe it's 20 degrees in. I can um, yeah. pull it up to throw that out. Well, Gosh, the the energies of change, of truth, you know, the story. Oh, maybe I will relate where it is in my own chart. In my chart, it's quite significant. And it is a tight orb. I think in our earlier conversation, you reminded me this is important to bring out because it is a 120-year transit with Eris. But in my chart, my nodal axis is 24 degrees south node in Libra and north node in Aries in the seventh Mm. house. And Pluto, which is also a very slow planet because it's so far out, has been really in orb. It's exact. It's exact. They, Aries is exactly on my north node at 24 degrees. And so is Pluto squaring, squaring my nodes. So on a, and this is not, been instant it's been revving up you could say and slowing down because i also have my moon a couple of degrees away mm-hmm. in libra there's in the in the first house and because they're in reverse houses it gives a little bit of that impetus for you could say that energy of of a polarity so i'm all about a lot of polarities and opposites and relationships and patterns and etc but i've been because it's focused on my north node with Eris and wanting the truth, I find myself geared more and more towards finding ways to bring out the, the deep questions in talk cosmos, you know, how to present thoughts that like Plato, let's get more of the questions and let people ponder this more to get to mm-hmm. become more authentic of who they are and be the catalysts in their own life however that might manifest because i'm certainly not 
rather than control, one just wants to be creative. You know, that's yeah. what working with what we have. So I'm finding it extremely powerful. I am working with Omari Martin, who was on the show earlier on the 30th of May, entrepreneurship, who's also the president of Kepler. And besides that, his personal business entrepreneurship and the president of Friends of Astrology in Chicago. And so we're shifting some of our thoughts to being open like this, you know, really where we're contemplating what conversations are about, you know, sharing and, and, and creating a new consciousness of between sharing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, they're both there. So Pluto's in the second um, and Eris is in the fifth and, you know, and I, I have her there natally, so she's not gone very far. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, and Pluto, again, Pluto moves so slowly. Pluto got into my second house, you know, 10 years ago. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's not experience. Um, but I do think that it, as they're coming again, like this idea of them coming into conversation with each other, because even though she's there natally for me, this relationship, this conversation with Pluto, they're not an aspect natally. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's wide for it to be a opposition. I'd have to look exactly, but um, is... I'm, I am taking on, you were talking about creativity for me with it being in the fifth house, right? It's a lot about the truth of my creative truth, right? Mm. Cause fifth house being about creativity, playfulness, inner child, right? So creative expression and um, finding how I can do that. What's my way of being creative and having creative expression and that being a transformative Thing and finding ways where I just sort of had this aha the other day um, as I'm teaching my mythology class, right? And several people have commented and loving the imagery that I use in the class. I have one, yes. <laughs> and the aha I had is that the challenge I always had in visual art personally, not in creating visual art personally, is I don't have the skill set to paint or draw what I see. I just, I've never had, I, it's not a skill set that comes naturally to me. I'm not somebody who knows how to draw or paint. Even if I was taught, I was taught, you know, oh, well, the eyes are actually in the center of the face and draw an oval and all the mathematics of how to sketch. It's never been something that's come naturally to me. But that I actually do have this artistic eye if I don't, if I'm using other people's imagery and I can find images that are expressing what I'm wanting to say through other medium and that that's become a way that I can be artistically expressive with, I mean, it's, I think it's why I love collage as a medium because I can use existing imagery to express what I'm wanting to say because I don't have the skill set to create it wholly new um, and so finding ways that I can actually have that creative voice that seemed inaccessible previously. That makes all kinds of sense because Taurus is visual. It's preverbal and yeah. Aries is too. And so, 
And it is interesting that it denotes how we have, once again, have this conditioning of what art is and what it isn't in a way, because, you know, as we know, there's, is that creative impetus, period. So, Anyway, right. I have a south node in the that. fifth. I want to be creative, but mm-hmm. never felt like I had the talent, the skill set to, you know, I mean, some people are amazing artists at 10. They can, you know, their ability to, to create something or to reproduce something. Yeah. Just, I find astounding and it's just, it never was something I could well, do well. As far as art goes, because I had a grandfather that I never knew who was a professional artist back in, the, he was born in 1890, thank you. So he is an old person and died when I was one and a half. But I would, trying to learn him, I mean, learn him, know him, I would look at his, his artwork that was left. And, um, and I've taken various classes and whatnot, and I, I, I love art, but it was told me very clearly that it's not a, people are not taught to, to, to do it. And, and, and a lot of times it's supposed to come out of your imagination, but it's a visual one. It's one that you look at something and that people can be trained. And one idea is you take things um, upside down and then you, you draw it like on a graph and you'll be amazed. And when the brain isn't working, it's sort of like life when we're not working uh, linearly, linear then the truth, the the picture comes up, which pulls me back into, I think something Leslie had said when our chats were, we were talking, she was talking about Jupiter, Mm -hmm. the planet of expansion, that sextile connecting with Eris, this dwarf planet of truth telling uh, chaos. That's or the discord goddess of Mm -hmm. discord. She's called for asking the question, who's the fairest starting the Trojan war, but that, she was saying tooth is not linear. So how are we going to talk about this idea? Like we were talking about what is it that collectively and it's climate. You had brought it up. Climate. Well, I think which is- just Uranus in Taurus to me, this period, you know, since what, 2018 that Uranus got into Taurus um, is this, it is an opportunity to transform our relationship with the natural world, to reinvent, right? You're being really inventive and innovative um, with how we engage with the natural world. And it is, it was part of the chaos that's been going on, right? The incredible fires that have been going on in California and here in the South, it has been such a rainy summer. It's like all of my plants rotted because it never dried out enough. Right. Like my basil rotted, my lavender rotted. It just, they never dried out. We've had too much water and there's not enough in California. There's wells that are dry. Right. So we're seeing these extremes in this chaos with the natural world. Um, And hopefully, or, you know, just we're already at so many hurricanes that are happening. Right. Um, And so this Uranus energy in Taurus about, yeah, we have to revolutionize how we are, how we engage with nature. And that I've I've been under the belief 
for a while now that this period of time while Uranus is in Taurus is our window of opportunity to really make any kind of substantial correct course correction when it comes to climate change. And I, I don't know that it's completely impossible afterwards, but I believe it will be much more difficult once Uranus gets into Gemini to course correct. Because um, that's not what we're going to be asked to do. That's it's, not the energy. I agree with you because it's visceral. It's the body. And I think of the fact that like psychosomatic, there's two different ways. That's a, I don't know if that's a word that's used so much these days, but the, we have we can learn things either through the body or through our mind. And they both can get to a point because we're so related and we are a spirit having a body experience mm -hmm. and so it's really fascinatingly relevant to me how this whole collaboration of the of the universe now with all these retrogrades and conversations and way this 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 myriad of 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 like tiles making a, a mosaic that are a kaleidoscope that keeps changing to get its points across and how and and how to just like the reward system, but this reward sometimes is tough love, you know, and that's what maybe well, that we're really us back to like to truth, right? The consequences yes. of truth can be tough love being told. Yeah. You're not doing a good job. That can be hard to hear, but it, or it's punished. true. Punished, like sit in the corner, you know, well, it's being restrained. But sometimes we're not doing our best and having somebody point that out and saying, you're dropping the ball. Yes. It's hard to hear, but sometimes that's really important to have been said because if we're in avoidance and having avoidant escapist behavior and that being pointed out to us is the truth saying you're not, you know, taking good care of yourself or you're, you know, I'm always the one taking the trash out. It's your turn to do it. And, and sometimes it's not even, it's not logical. That's the whole point. It gets down into these other impetuses that are just survival bases that, 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 that change how we think and whatnot. Integration, right? Integrating past, present, future. I, it's been brought to next week. We have cosmic collaboration, and that'll be on uh, two next week. And today, I'm speaking with Dr. Laura Tad, Planet Buzz. We're missing L Leslie; she will be back. Leslie Francis. In the meantime, check out Canada's uh, integration between modern and traditional astrology. And Laura and I are going to continue talking about consequences and truth because we have all these energies here that are asking us to adjust and integrate and rethink it through and uh, realize that uh, realize it's a process. It's a process of a beautiful process, really of finding that connecting, listening to ourselves to get to our truth that we can connect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think self-honesty and being honest with other people, and it can be done with kindness, even if it's initially not received that way, that honesty, it's like, that's, you got to start there, right? Anything, if you are honest, then anything else can be worked through, right? 
and talked through and processed. But if they're if you're starting at a place of being um, overly cautious, out of afraid of how it will be received, then you're already starting sort of behind the yes. game. So back to the core. It's beautiful. Thank you, Laura, Dr. Tad, and thank you all to our audience so much. We appreciate and sign up, subscribe, and we'll be back. Blessings. Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 